0: This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. One of the things I was most excited about when I decided to bring back the 10 Things to Tell You podcast after last year's hiatus was getting to talk books on this show. It is my favorite topic, and today we're going to talk with some of my favorite bookish people, Meredith Monday Schwartz and Katie Cobb of the podcast Currently Reading. They host a great show if you haven't listened to that show. And if you are a reader yourself, you will definitely want to check out their podcast, Currently Reading. I asked Meredith and Katie to come on 10 Things to Tell You so that we could do a Best Books Lately episode, which I do every couple months or so, the best books that we have been reading lately. And the three of us recorded for almost two hours. that is how long we talked about just the handful of books that we wanted you to know about. We had so much to say about those books that we brought to share. But before we even got to those book recommendations, we spent a good half hour or so talking about how I see Meredith and Katie In the terms of my new book, The Life Council, I see them as both business besties, which is one of the seats I write about on The Life Council, and I also see them as fellow obsessives, one of my favorite seats in The Life Council. So we talked about those parts of their relationship, including the origin story, how they became business partners and started currently reading. It was all super interesting this conversation about their friendship and how they've cultivated an online community for fellow obsessive readers to find each other. But because I know that y'all are most interested to hear about our book recommendations, I took that whole part about being business besties. I took that whole part of the conversation and I put it over in Secret Stuff. That's my Patreon community where I often share overflow from this show because I have such amazing guests and we always end up talking too long. So in this episode, you're going to hear Katie and Meredith introduce themselves, and then you're going to hear a brief music interlude. (laughs) You're going to hear a little bit of music, at which point the conversation is just going to pick up right before we start talking about the best books we've read lately. If you'd like to hear that part of the conversation that I cut, you can head over to patreon.com slash Tremaine and join our secret stuff community. Secret Stuff members get access to two monthly Zoom meetings with me. There's also personal episodes, there's reading roundups, there's extra content like this from the 10 Things to Tell You episodes. It is the best group of people on the internet, my Secret Stuff community is, so if you want to be a part of it, please do join us. You're about to hear Meredith and Katie and I talk about the best books that we have read lately, but you know the book I really want you to read is my new book, The Life Council 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, which comes out in just a few weeks. You can pre order The Life Council in any format. There's a limited hardcover available, paperback, ebook, or the audiobook, which I read myself. So if you like hearing me blah blah on this show, you might like the audiobook version of the Life Council. If you pre-order the Life Council before it comes out April 4th, you are eligible for my pre-order bonuses, including The Secret Tapes, my private podcast series where I have 10 plus episodes with people that I write about in the book. We have these incredibly intimate and vulnerable conversations in the secret tapes. You'll get access to that when you pre-order the Life Council. You'll also get a PDF that has journal prompts and discussion questions in case this book is read in a group setting or if you want to take the feelings that it brings out in you to your journal. And then we're also doing a private book club walking through the Life Council after it comes out in April. You have to pre-order the book, though, to be part of that book club. Those are my three pre-order bonuses. If you pre-order the book in any format from any retailer, you're going to take your order number and go to thelifecouncilbookbonuses.com, fill out the form there. You'll get all three of those pre-order bonuses delivered straight to your inbox within 24 hours. And I really hope that you do so. But now I want you to hear this fantastic book conversation with Meredith Monday Schwartz and Katie Cobb of the podcast Currently Reading. Meredith and Katie, welcome back to 10 Things to Tell You. Thank you. We are always so
1: excited to talk to you about books. It's one of our favorite things. We absolutely love it.
0: I love to talk about books, and I love, super love, to talk about books with you. You are two of my very favorite bookish people on the internet or anywhere, and so when I wanted to have a Best Books Lately episode, because it was about that time again, I could think of no better people than the two of you to talk books about, so I'm super excited that you're here. For our listeners who might not be familiar with you two beautiful and amazing women who are the faces and creative geniuses behind the Currently Reading podcast, will you please introduce yourself? Katie, tell us a little bit about who you are.
2: Yeah, I'm Katie Cobb, and I live in New Mexico. I have four kiddos. I homeschool them, so I'm with them all the time. (laughs) And I read a lot of books, usually around 300 books a year, which is why it was perfect for Meredith and I to get to start a podcast together because I just I want to talk about books all the time. It's my favorite thing.
1: I am Meredith Monday Schwartz. I am from Austin, Texas, and I am the CEO of a big wedding website called Here Comes the Guide. During the day, and so. Katie and I's partnership with Currently Reading is interesting because I'm kind of the flip side reader, right? So I have a big day job that keeps me from being able to read all day long and sometimes all night long, right? And so I have to, I read about 120 books a year, which is still a lot. And I am always working to fit reading in around my life as a mom and a wife and a a, a CEO. So Katie and I together, I think, have we present an interesting picture of different kinds of of reading lives. And I think that's been a really good thing for currently reading because it gives us a lot of different perspectives about how people read and about how people can bring more of it into their lives because our lives look so different.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always thought that too. You also have different reading tastes. You're reading different types of things, Mm -hmm. which makes for a good like podcast banter and discussion and and that type of thing. So let's just talk about this.
1: It works wonders.
0: Yeah, I sort of started to talk to you guys about being business besties, but maybe we should have started it off as being fellow obsessives because we are all obsessed with books, the three yes. of us. Yes. And mm-hmm. I really want to hear what books that you have brought to us today to share. And like when I first you know, the email, I was just like, I just want to talk about books we should read. We don't need to stick to a very specific theme. I just know that people out there, now we have this like embarrassment of riches, right? There are recommendations for what to read in our ears, on our screens. Like there's all these things to read. There's almost too much recommended to read that sometimes you want to sort through and find like a trusted source. Mm-hmm. You are our trusted sources today, and I cannot wait to hear what you have brought to read, that you think the 10 things to tell you listeners would like, that you think I would like, that you just want people to read in general, that you super loved. We're just casting a wide net here. I will start this part of the episode to say I brought exactly two. I brought two books. In a past part of my life, I would have had 12 to choose from and like how would I narrow it down to just talk about a few in this current iteration of Lara 2023 mm-hmm. we are looking at a much slower reading pace I have been reading at a slower reading pace for a couple of years now I thought it was pandemic related but actually I'm not so sure as as time marches on that it was pandemic related I will say that in the past couple of months. So starting out this actual calendar year, I'm still reading at my slower pace. I am reading much better things. Mm-hmm. So part of the things, part of the problem was I was a little dissatisfied with my reading life for a while there because I just felt like I wasn't reading enough things that made me so happy or excited or like I was reading. I read every day of my life. I, mean, I can't even think of a day that would go by when I don't actually read, but I wasn't like... So excited about it. Mm -hmm. And now, even though I'm not reading as much, I'm not reading an hour a day, I'm not reading, you know, like I have in the past, but I am happier with my choices. And that has been a totally fine trade off for me in general. So, but that means that I brought two books, just two books that I have read that I haven't already talked about here on 10 Things to Tell You that I want to share with our listeners. I know that y'all brought a few more. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. We'll do this round robin, by the way, just so we each get a, a chance to share. We're going to start with you, Katie. So tell us the first book that you want everyone to know about.
2: Okay, I will, but I'm first I'm going to derail us a second, Laura. And can I just affirm that like you're doing the things, all right? We see you. You are content creation, Laura. And then on top of that, you've added book writer, Laura. And then you've added this amazing podcast and brought it back up from from hiatus. And then you're a sports mom. And now we get to add climate catastrophe, Laura, <laughs> to the list. Like you're just you're like you're doing all the things and so it it's okay that your reading has to go through these ebbs and flows in seasons and Maybe someday some of those things will drop off, like maybe you won't have to drive to volleyball practice five days a week in the future, and you'll get to capture some of that time back for something else you love. But it's okay that it doesn't look like it did in the past, because we all have those seasons of up and down. And honestly, it would kind of embarrass the rest of us if you were like, I do all of those things. And also, I read 300 books a year. And then we would be like, well, then we kind of hate you. (laughs) You know, like that's too much.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, let me answer that part because my original frustration wasn't always that I disliked what I was reading. That was part of it for sure. But also part of it, I know that we have talked about this a little bit, maybe offline. Off mic and on, but I felt an angst around it when my reading slowed because being a reader is part of my identity, Mm -hmm. especially my internet identity. I mean, not especially. It was that's been my identity my whole life, but it has really been fueled by Bookstagram and this podcast and things where I feel this pressure to talk about what I'm reading and have something interesting to say about what I'm reading and make really interesting choices for what to read. And like there's there's all these sort of dynamics that came around talking about reading publicly. And so when my reading started to shift, and it shifted in a few ways, not only in pace, but also my taste has changed a little bit over Mm -hmm. the years. And that has been A weird shift for me because while some people their taste changes as they age because maybe they get more sophisticated in their reading life or something like that who wants to be those people right my taste was doing something completely different i had really been known for really loving horror and dark books i'm actually going to talk about a horror book today so take everything i say with a grain of salt but anyway when i started to become a little bit more of a sensitive reader and be like i don't i actually this is not this feels not great inside anymore. That was also something that gave me a lot of pause. Like, again, because if I was going to share fluffier stuff on the internet, that didn't really go with what I had been espousing for years. So it was like this very weird internal struggle. And I know that people have internal struggles around Bookstagram and the online book community, even if they don't have their own podcast or a platform or whatever, they have their own thoughts around sometimes the pressure that Bookstagram gives you to read a certain number of books, to read a certain type Mm -hmm. of book, to be in certain book clubs, to buy their books a certain way, to read in a certain format. I mean, there's just a lot of different ways you can feel like you're not doing it right, which is absurd. Right. (laughs) But we still feel that way. I don't know.
1: You're an Enneagram one, Laura. That's what you have to be worried about. You have to worry about whether or not you're doing reading right. But I mean, exactly. The point that you're making, I think, is just so spot on. The best thing that you can do with your platform, that we can do with our platform, is to normalize that reading ebbs and flows, that seasons of life have really big impacts on the what your reading looks like, not just how much you can read, but what you want to read, what you're drawn to. And so normalizing, leaning into the ebb, and also normalizing reading what feels good to you, even if different than what felt good to you a few years ago, is going to do so many people so much good in their own reading life and, and really help them to feel like, okay, yeah, I don't have to be only a romance reader just because that's what I've I've always read. I it's okay that I'm kind of in the mood for something totally different and I'm going to mm-hmm. embrace that and I'm going to lean into that. So I think you sharing how your authentic feelings about what's been happening is really good for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, well, I hope so because I've been pretty open about it for I mean honestly now we're coming up on 3 years. I've almost been talking about my reading angst as long as I've been talking about reading in general. <laughs> which is weird math. But, you know, the pandemic changed a lot of things. I can't blame everything on the pandemic. It really isn't that. There's a lot of factors that go into this. But I like what you're saying, Meredith, like just normalizing that your taste may change. You may have been a total snob about never reading romance or fluffy fiction or whatever. And now that's just what you crave. That's your best way to spend Mm -hmm. the evening or the opposite. Maybe like you have been reading fluffy stuff for a long time and like maybe you read something weightier in a book club or something and you really like that really spoke to your spirit and all of it all of it matters and all of it works that's how I try to think about it but really we got derailed and it was a happy derailment but really Katie
2: tell us what to read please. yes absolutely okay so the first book that I want to talk about today is not under the radar but it is it took me by surprise. And those are, as people who listen to currently reading know, some of our favorite books are the ones that surprise us in some way, right? So this book is called Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. And it came out in February of 2022. So about a year old. And it was a Read With Jenna pick. So it has like the stupid Read With Jenna sticker on the front, which is probably honestly part of why I didn't pick it up because I have problems with stickers that are printed onto the cover of books, but that's my own issue. But I also feel like it was missold to me. Hold up. Uh-oh. What? Okay, Well. Did I say something offensive already? No, no, no. So I
0: hear you on the stickers. I get that part. But I just want to mention that Read with Jenna is my favorite celebrity book club mm-hmm. of the different book clubs. And I can often really appreciate Oprah's selections as well. And I've been reading Oprah book clubs, you know, like since the 90s or whatever she is.
2: The, 20 years. Like, I know.
0: Yeah. She is like the sort of OG celebrity book club, as far as I'm concerned. And and I usually really appreciate her picks. But for the other ones that are popular right now, and there's quite a handful of them, Jenna Bush Hager's are my favorite. I'm just going to say it. And I feel like people, I don't want people to roll their eyes because it's a morning show recommendation or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can have, right. you can sometimes have these like, ideas that you're like, oh, that won't be for me. That's for a different type of audience. Like Jonathan Franzen said about the Oprah audience back in the day, that was Mm -hmm. the whole scandal when he was like, I don't want people who love Oprah to read my book. I mean, he didn't say that. Um, That was the underlying message of what he said. And he was absolutely wrong. Clearly, he was absolutely wrong. But I do think that there's some of those Some of those things that linger, like, I don't, what is Reese Witherspoon going to tell me about reading or whatever? And sometimes I've had to drop some of those ideas, even of my own, Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, what I care about here is books and authors and stories. And I just really appreciate Jenna Bush Hager, daughter of a librarian, Mm -hmm. also daughter of a president. It's fine. Selecting books. Okay. Anyway, go on, go on, go on. Yes.
2: Also true of the three that I can think of off the top of my head. Jenna is usually the best matchup I have, but it doesn't make me run to a book is what I'm saying about that. So I just picked up Black Cake because of some of that other baggage in my personal reading life around these things in in February of 2023, this month. And I was shocked to find it might end up on my best books of the year list this coming December. So this book is presented as, and even the author describes it as like inherited trauma over generations. And it's like family drama and heavy and heavy. And, and I was like, wow, who would, who would want to read that book when they're feeling like I do right now about my reading life? Like I want something that brings me joy and that makes me connect to other humans. And what I found inside was a few things that I really, really love. So first we have a current timeline you know, modern age, Eleanor Bennett, who sounds like she should have been written by Jane Austen, but is in fact not. She's just passed away and left a mini hour video message for her two children who are named Byron and Benny. Benny is the daughter and she has been estranged from the family for years now. So when she comes home for her mom's funeral and the settling of the estate, it's a pretty loaded emotional situation. She and her brother sit down to start watching this video message and their mom reveals that they have a sister they never knew about, and then goes back in time to tell a story about a young woman named Covey who lives in the Caribbean and has found a passion for swimming. Those stories don't seem to intersect. They're like, why is Mom Eleanor talking about this girl Covey? Like, what she lives in in the UK, and what's happening over here in the Caribbean? Like, what's going on? The siblings are wondering who this Covey is and what she has to do with their family history, and we, the reader, get to uncover with them the connections including a murder, an actual train wreck, which, you know, it could be like a train wreck, but it's a literal train wreck, a lost love, a long distance swimming situation, which has a personal tie for me because I was on swim team and I love a swimmer, the implosion of their nuclear family. And through it all, we get regularly this intrusion of the Caribbean treat black cake made as a dessert maybe it's a coming home flavor, maybe it's the way to communicate love when words are not enough, like, we might not be able to talk through this hard thing between us, but we can make cake together and sit down. And maybe that's enough for right now. So what really kept this book flying for me was the short, short chapters. Every once in a while, they were like five pages, but usually they were one to three pages, very short chapters. And for me, that's like, when you have a bag of Cheetos and you're like, but one Cheeto isn't that much. And so you just keep eating one more Cheeto and one more Cheeto. And then all of a sudden you've read half the book or you've eaten half the bag of Cheetos because they're so small and they're so delicious. So reading Catnip, I loved it. And it's begging for a recipe. I will, Laura, after we're done, send you a link because I did find the recipe, the author, Gave online for black cake. It takes four to six months to make because you have to soak fruits. So I have not made it yet, (laughs) but I do plan to because the way that that sensory experience connects to this book is really appealing to me. And I just, I loved it so much. So this was Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson.
0: Okay. You talking about this book is giving me a fresh appreciation for it. I read Black Cake last year in 2022. And you know, it was only medium for me. Okay. Not everybody <laughs> likes the same books. It's okay. <laughs> I mean. oh, so this is why talking about books changes mm-hmm. the experience. This is why mm-hmm. I love being in a book club. I have many a time gone to a book club where I loved a book, and but then hearing from someone who hated it, like, just made me see it maybe a little bit more objectively or something than my own emotions. Of course, the opposite has happened many times where I came to a book club or a book conversation where I was like, eh, I don't know. And then hearing other people feel really passionately about it made me appreciate it more. Just even if it wasn't to my taste more to just be able to see it, again, a little bit more objectively to be like, oh, I I do really like what this author was doing or whatever. Yeah, that was so... That was such a good description that you gave. You're obviously very good at um, talking about books, Katie. Well, this is one that
1: I haven't read yet, but I have heard several people say they went into it and were surprised at how much they liked it. So there's something about the setup and then mm-hmm. the actual delivery that actually plays in the book's favor.
0: hmm Yeah. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind and I am always looking for a new one to download and I recently ran across Two Dots and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free to download puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels the in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind not only is two dots free to download but it can also be played without internet connection so playing on the go offline is a breeze and if you don't want to play alone you can challenge your friends on facebook as well as connect with the larger two dots community for even more engagement If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to BornShoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's Born B O R N Shoes S H O E S and use promo code TELL, TELL for 15% off and free shipping available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Meredith, tell us what you brought for the 10 things to tell you listeners to perhaps check all
1: right. out. One of the books I brought is, I'm so excited about it because it is a book from 2012. And I have been all about trying to ignore bookstagram-ish FOMO, which I have sometimes. And really concentrate on Backlist. Because there's so many, so many great books. So this is a recommendation that I got through the Currently Reading Bookish Friends group. And I was so glad. It's a book called The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. This is a debut novel. He's an Australian author. Came out in 2012. Okay. It'll probably be available to your library like right this second. So this this is part of what's great about it. Here's the setup. Our lead character is sort of... Named Miffany Thomas. Now, let's get over the fact that her name is Miffany. It's a Welsh name. It rhymes with Tiffany. She tells us that in the book. Let's just set aside how stupid it is. Okay. Okay. So we're just going to go with it. All right. So our lead character is sort of Miffany Thomas. And when you read this book, you're going to understand why I say sort of. Miffany awakens in a London park and she is surrounded by dead bodies all of whom are wearing blue latex gloves. Now, at this point, being the reader that I am, I didn't need anything else. Inject this in my veins. I was ready to go. But if you need a little bit more, let me tell you. So Miffany, poor Miffany, ish her memory is completely gone. And she has to trust the instructions that she's gotten from the person who used to be in her body which are conveniently left in the pocket of her coat that she's wearing. And she has to trust these instructions in order to survive. She quickly learns that she is a rook, a high-level operative in a secret agency that protects the world from supernatural threats. But there is a mole inside her organization, which is called the Cheque, and that person, that mole, wants Miffany dead. All right, this was my first five-star book of 2023. This book absolutely just slayed me. 10 seconds into reading, I could not stop. It's kind of a big chonker. I think it's almost 500 pages. It does not feel like it. It goes down like a 250 page. I mean, it is so quick and it is completely unexpected. So There's so many different layers to this book that make it interesting. There's the complex architecture of the Sheke, this this supernatural organization that she all of a sudden finds out that she works for, right? And this Miffany, unfortunately named Miffany, she is so like, I wanted to be your best friend immediately. Her narrative tone throughout, like you come for the weird premise, but you stay for Miffany's narrative tone because she is just a delight. The other thing is that you are so amazed at how smart author Daniel O'Malley is because he gave us just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of the pieces that we needed of the puzzle. So we were learning right alongside with our main character. And it felt, it felt like we were standing in her shoes, kind of that mix of being excited about what's happening and scared about what's happening and getting the information right the second that you need it. But also, Miffany realizes she's innately good at this this really specific job that she's been sort of woken up into. And that's a really fun thing, to see someone just really easily take, in, take on to a role. Also, this is a world where most of the people are powered, right? So most people have superpowers. And in this world, there's a lot of weird superpowers. Like there are people who can talk to trees, and there are people who can create lightning and there are people who can make bugs do certain things that they want them that they want them to do and in this structure the sheke has found ways to use people who have these big amazing superpowers but also the more prosaic ones and that was a really interesting part of this story so in an instagram post that i did i mentioned that the rook has elements of the classic movie men in black it's a supernatural agency it's a you know an agency there to protect us from supernatural elements. But as I thought about it more, I realized that it was actually a really poor comparison, because Men in Black is really base and simple, and the Rook is elevated and elegantly plotted. It's also very high-minded and civilized and very, very British, it's a combination of the fantastic supervillain novel Hinch, which don't sleep on that one if you haven't read Hinch, and the British so good. Yeah, the British mystery of the winds or not, with a dash of James Bond and a hefty scoop of girl power. It's a series, and I'm going to read the next one, but this one wraps up completely, so you can read just this one, and it's just so good. Don't, be afraid of its length. Just know that you're going to have that same one more chapter, one more chapter feeling, which is my favorite kind of reading. This is The Rook by Daniel O'Malley.
0: Well, you had me at dead bodies and blue gloves. Like I was already like, oh, go to my Kindle right this second. (laughs) And it just
1: gets better from there. It's so good.
0: Now, is his name just kind of generic, or do I know something else by him? Daniel O'Malley sounds so familiar.
1: All I knew is that he wrote this, what has now become a a series based on
0: starting with The Rook. Okay. Maybe I've just seen it in a bookstore. Or again, maybe that's just a name. But yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. That was so good. I really am like going to rush to my Kindle. Also, I'm giving y'all credit because I upgraded to the Kindle Oasis because of you
1: the Kindle Oasis and the Casebot case the one two punch every reader needs
0: seriously okay the book that i am going to talk about is because i have to talk about this book with someone it is how to sell a haunted house by Grady yes. Hendrix y'all i don't i don't know what to do with Grady Hendrix he doesn't know seriously. he doesn't know what to do with himself he is so many different things and like, I'm not even sure I've read an author that is anything like this. Like, it is horror, but it's also really silly. But it also takes itself seriously. But then does it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the family dynamics are real in this book. I will agree. So I also think I'm going to give this quick caveat to how to sell a haunted house. I feel like... Now, I've read two Grady Hendrix books. This is my second book by him. I read, last year, I read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying mm-hmm. Vampires. And I will say right now, like out the gate, one of Grady Hendrix's greatest strengths is his titling. The titles of his book. You don't forget them. You don't forget them. They're so original. They make you want to put it up and that is no small thing. I mean that is, it's a whole conversation to talk about covers and titling and whatever but in this world of bookstagram, book talk, like marketing, the covers and titles have always mattered of course but now they matter so much and I feel like he is winning some sort of award with his titles. Anyway How to Sell a Haunted House is about two siblings, Louise and Mark who they're parents have died unexpectedly louise lives in california she has to come back to south carolina both of his books that i've read have been set in south carolina i'm not sure if all of them are he's obviously a southern horror writer but i'm not sure if the southernness of it is always south carolina of course i have my own ties to south carolina so that is an extra draw for me louise has really separated herself a lot from her family of origin but upon her parents death she flies back to South Carolina, meets up with her brother, Mark. They need to do, unfortunately, what some people need to do, which is clear out the house to potentially sell it in the wake of their parents' passing. And they come face-to-face, literally and figuratively, with their mother's longtime puppet collection. It's actually half-doll, half-puppet. She also has a lot of dolls. But what really becomes the thing that matters here are the puppets now (laughs) obviously this is a horror book you can see where this is going to go this gets bananas another book that came from y'all that i shared everywhere because you convinced me to was into the drowning deep which was killer Mm -hmm. mermaids this is shades of similarity like also silly killer puppets but also like Mm -hmm. scary i mean dolls are scary puppets are scary Mm-hmm. One of the other big draws to this story as it plays out is because – he doesn't actually go deep into this. I could have had more of this – is that his – the mother that had all these puppets was doing, like, a puppet ministry at church. Like, it was tied to their faith. <laughs> now, Well, I'm laughing about that because y'all should just know – that as a teenager, I too was involved in a puppet ministry. Oh yes,
1: yeah. yeah, it's a thing. It's absolutely a thing.
0: If one were to read this book and be like, "This is like weirdly themed," I want to be like, "Oh no, that part of this strange book—it actually tracks. Like, that's a thing that actually happened. <laughs> maybe still does. For all I know, I don't. I I really want to tell stories about the time that I was in puppet ministry, but maybe I'll save that <laughs> for Patreon." <laughs>
2: you can invite us back for that anyway. i will react with appropriate horror if you like
0: <laughs> anyway back to the book just like with the southern book club's guide to Slang vampires i had a lot of the same emotions as i was reading it it's actually sillier than the Slang vampires one was in some way i mean because puppets and you know Aggressive puppets are – that's going to tend towards a little bit silly. It's a little bit more like jump scare. Like it was like very cinematic in that way, not like keep you up mm-hmm. at night. But I had the same feelings reading both of those books, as I did when I was reading Into the Drowning Deep, of reading it and being like, this is absurd and ridiculous. And then also being like, I am really right. enjoying myself. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a very specific sweet spot in in my reading, at least. I, I, Because it it is, but there are parts of this book that are just really bananas. But I loved the brother-sister dynamic and the arc that he took us on in that relationship over the course of the book. Because that, to me, what they were grappling with, having to deal with, you know, they didn't get along. The brother was a dip. Like they, you know, like it. It's, it was difficult what they needed to do and that's without even the aggressive puppets you know <laughs> being a part of the scenario like and so but then the the whole arc of the story i just felt like he had a book in between southern book club's guide and and this one which was a real womp and and i don't think most readers didn't like, you know, didn't like it much at all. So I was so glad when I read this one and I was like, oh, he's back. Like he's back to what he does so specifically so well. And I will tell you, my husband read it too. And since he read it, there's one word, the name that my husband will, will chase Uh, me around, whisper yelling that word. And I will run like a terrified child. Like I, I, He freaks me out by running and saying this word over and over again. So it has stuck with me for sure.
0: So, yeah, the other part of this story, besides this horror part of the puppets, is all these family dynamics. So it's the brother-sister, but then there's also these cousins that I thought was fascinating. This, like, sort of great aunt figure that was really interesting. And I really like all that stuff. That also fits with these Southern novels that are so steeped in family history and like who you are and kind of what your last name is and like you know there's all kinds of shades of that there was one thing about this book that like knocked it down a full star for me and and gives me kind of some pause in general because this is one of my sort of bookish pet peeves there were full blown plot holes in mm-hmm. this novel to the point where i was like i can't believe that this got it got past all the editors Because some of them I feel like could have been sort of rectified with like a paragraph. Do you know what I mean? Like a little little bit of Mm. explanation for what felt to me like obvious holes. And I felt a little bit that way about Southern Book Club's guide because I don't remember the plot holes as much there. There were just a few things now in both of these novels that I'm like, this feels like sloppy is not exactly the right word because that's it and that's like more negative than I need because obviously like we read it and enjoyed it or whatever but also like there was just some things here that could have been wrapped up that were not his style is
1: chaotic I think and and I think that he gets done writing is like after that last big scene of the book I think there was a part of him that was just like wrap it up and be done like it there's a there's a chaos to his thinking and and I think that that's part of why we get these like over the top bananas books, but I think then the net effect of that can be there's a, a lack of tidiness.
0: Yeah, there that is a lack of tidiness. There's also one gnarly scene that is one of the gnarliest scenes that I have read in a yep. while. Like here's one really, really climatic crazy scene, but. I just felt like these particular plot holes. I don't need a book to be completely wrapped up in a bow. I'm actually sometimes, uh, very often, fine with an ambiguous mm-hmm. ending in some cases if it sort of fits the genre of what's going on. That's not a thing that bothers me like it does other people. But just very easy explanations, like some whys. We need to know a few more mm-hmm. whys of like what exactly happened here that are sort of skimmed over in this book. And it was a similar vibe that I also got from his other novel that made that – that's the kind of thing that keeps something from being an auto buy for me or an auto pre order is plot holes, honestly. And so that's my only caveat on How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. But other than that, I felt like it was a vacation read. If vacation reads for you are horror, then this is that type of a – it's a vacation horror book. All right. We're back to you, Katie. What you got for us next?
2: Okay, well, y'all just did, like, dead bodies with blue gloves, and then we had, like, scary puppets. So now I'm going to talk about fairies. (laughs) Sometimes we need to take a left turn. So I want to tell you about Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett. So this book was brought to what, what we consider, like, our flagship Patreon content, the indie press list. And it was Fabled Bookshop that we partnered with in January. They're located in Waco, Texas. And every month we partner with an independent bookstore. They hand sell a stack of five books to our patrons, who we call bookish friends. It's one of our favorite pieces of content. It's one of our favorite things to record. And we love, especially when the bookstores are like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, they all showed up. They all bought something. Like these bookstores, we don't take any cut of it. We just talk about them and we send the sales directly to them and and they just get very excited. And we're very proud of these relationships and this content that we've created. And so I really wanted to bring one of my favorite indie press list books that's really recent, Emily Wild Fantastic. So this is a cozy fantasy novel and It is begging for either a movie adaptation or ideally what I would love is a really lush illustrated copy with like heavy, inky pages, glossy, where it looks like she actually was sitting there writing in her diaries and giving us this story. Emily is what she calls a dryadologist. So she's involved in the scientific study of fairies. She's attempting to write, as part of that study, a comprehensive encyclopedia about mystical beings that don't exist in our world, right? So that's what makes this really fun fantasy. As part of that aim, she travels to Norway, very cold wintertime upper north to attempt to research the fairies in that region. She's already been to Ireland. She's been to like Thailand. She's been all over the place looking at different fairies all over the world. And she is bundled up in this little Norwegian village in a small cottage. She's incapable of splitting her own wood or making a fire. And the snow is coming down by the foot outside. It is ripe for sitting in front of the fire it's ripe for the very first blizzard in Los Angeles in 30 years. Like, it's just like you want to be bundled up reading this book. But her research partner shows up, who also happens to be her academic rival. And his name is Wendell Bumblebee, and we love him. He shows up to check on her and research and charms the townsfolk. And his other aim seems to be, as it says in the blurb, to confound her. He's described as insufferably handsome and dashing. He's adorable. He's like, picture any adorable younger, maybe like Bridgerton-esque young man, and that's who you can cast in your head as Wendell Bumblebee. Together, they attempt to unravel the mysteries of the northern fairy folk and uncover the stories of human interaction with fairies in this little tiny village, and it's a perfect book for getting like a, a little treat and a very cozy blanket and reading the whole day away, especially if there's snow falling outside. And you're just ensconced in this like snow globe magical bubble. I couldn't get enough of the witty banter, especially between Emily and Wendell. And then the description of the woods and the different types of folk that she meets there. They're like the townspeople are darling. The food is very tasty. It leapt off the page and felt like a movie playing in my mind's eye. So, again, I'd love to see that like visual representation of it on screen or in an illustrated version. It's just that kind of coming home feeling it is the beginning of a series there's some very light romance there's nothing on the page where you're like oh I can't hand this to my mom or my grandma or my like church friend or whatever like very sweet and delightful and it just is a a nice contrast sometimes if you don't need a scary puppet in your life maybe you want (laughs) Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett.
1: Yeah, you know who I was going to say would love that book? Your local puppet minister. That would be Probably who you would it to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she would be like, this is the Bible according to puppets, and here's the book I'm reading on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> that was a left turn,
0: but I think we needed it. I actually do think we needed something a little cozier, a little fluffier. Fairies make the mark. I love mm. it yes meredith what you got for us all
1: right well unfortunately i'm turning us left again we're going away from fairies and i'm realizing this so this is a book that i have been saving for you laura because i think that you will really really like it it's a great slump buster book so if you've been having you know you're you're just you haven't read for a while or you've read some books but they've been kind of meh or you've read something heavy and you need something light so you have to save this book for when you're in that kind of mood okay This is a book called The Drift by C.J. Tudor, and it just came out at the end of January. Great for this time of year, for sure. I have another protagonist, actually three protagonists, who are waking up in strange circumstances. This is my theme for this episode, I guess. So here's our setup. In this super fun, super thriller, because this is an action thriller, the very best way to get into it is to tell you that we have three points of view and they all three start off with a bang. So first we have Hannah, who awakens to absolute carnage. Everything around her is mangled metal and shattered glass. She was evacuated from a secluded boarding school during a snowstorm and her bus went off the road and it trapped her with a handful of survivors. Those survivors need to work together to escape. Meg, our second point of view, awakens to a gentle rocking. She soon discovers that she is in a Cable car that is stranded high above snowy mountains with five strangers and no memory of how they got on board. They are headed to a place known only as the retreat. But as the temperatures drop, tensions mount, and Meg realizes that they might not all make it out alive. And then finally, we have Carter. He's actually not just waking up, he's gazing out of the window of an isolated ski chalet where he and his companions have been living. As their generator begins to waver in this huge storm, something hiding in the chalet's depths threatens to escape, and their fragile bonds will be tested when the power fails for good. Now, as our novel progresses, not only do we find out the fates of the three people in these three points of view, but we find out how the narratives are tied together, and that is when the fun really starts. So like I said, Laura, slump buster. When you need a quick win. This is one that you need to make sure that you have loaded onto your Kindle. CJ Tudor wrote a book a few years ago called The Chalk Man and I actually hadn't read that. I since went back and read it and really really liked it. So this is this is her new one. This is a dystopian virus thriller and I was here for it from start to finish. Now, you do have to keep the three situations clear in your mind. So if that's something that is a struggle for you or just something that you're annoyed with, it might not be the best fit for you. But if you don't mind that, it creates a very, very propulsive read. It's like a puzzle and you're trying to figure it out the entire way through. So this is a mystery and it's a thriller and it's an escape the virus novel. And overall, it is just page-turning fun. It's violent, to be sure, so be aware of that. There's all manner of blood and gore and guts, and these post-plague creatures called whistlers, and they're called that because of the sound they make when they breathe. This is a great Mm. cold weather book. The snowy landscapes definitely figure prominently here. I happened to read this when it was very cold and snowy here in Austin, and it was perfect to be under the covers reading all the horrible things happening to those poor people. Also my favorite kind of reading. This is The Drift by C.J. Tudor.
0: Meredith, I'm cracking up and relate that you're describing a slump buster as gory, violent, yeah. totally <laughs> complicated plot yeah. points. But sometimes people will come to us and say, like, I just...
1: You know, I had a baby a couple years ago, and I, as it happens, I just haven't read for a really long time. This is the kind of book that you want to put into their hands because all of a sudden they'll be like, wait, why haven't I been reading? I cannot stop reading this, but it just, it's like a milkshake book. It goes down so easy. It's really a lot of fun. And it does sound like
0: a lot of characters. It's not hard to keep it straight. I
1: didn't struggle with that element, but that is something that I tend to like in my reading and not shy away from. So this is where Katie and I talk a lot about reader know thyself. So there are a lot of different uh-huh. ways as a reader that you need to know what it, what works for you and what doesn't. That is one of those things that I want to put out there. If that's something that just irritates you to have to keep three different very separate situations straight in your mind, I actually think she does a good job giving some help with that in the text itself, but then it might not be for you, but if that doesn't bother you, it's a very interesting puzzle to solve as they start to the stories start to converge.
0: Well that yeah, so interesting with sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full-body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. dot com and use code U Y O U. I am going to bring to the table our 1st nonfiction pick and i do love nonfiction. however this one was published in 2005 great backlist <laughs> so, love it so i like you meredith have also tried to focus a little bit on reading authors i already know and love not always i'm easily distracted. I love a buzzy book because I want to sort of be part of the literary conversation. But I am trying to be more intentional about sprinkling in things that are from somebody I think will be a hit for me or someone that I want to be a completist in or or those kind of things. So this author doesn't exactly tick any of those boxes other than this is backlist. And I was super intrigued by it. So this book is called Leaving the Saints by Martha Beck. I picked up this book because I read Martha Beck's self-help book in 2022 called The Way of Integrity. So Martha Beck, if you're unfamiliar with her as like a self-help author or figure, is someone that I've followed loosely. I haven't followed on social media, actually, now that I say that, but I used to read her column like in O Magazine or Oprah Online or whatever. Like I've just been very familiar with Martha Beck. In fact, she was one of the first... I would say self-help people that I really knew, kind of. She is a lot older than me. So in some ways I felt like she would be like self-help for your mom kind of thing. I don't know. But it was kind of one of the first figures that I read like that when I was like really getting into personal growth and that kind of thing. Well, last year she put out this book called The Way of Integrity and she was on... Glennon Doyle's podcast and I listened to this episode I'll be honest I halfway listened to this episode because on the episode she's talking about being in a throuple. so right that's just a side tangent and actually has nothing to do with anything except that it piqued my interest to go by the way of integrity which has nothing to do with her personal life well I shouldn't say has nothing to do with her personal life because it is personal growth but it has nothing to do with her partnerships and it's a self-help book that I really genuinely enjoyed But in The Way of Integrity, she mentions multiple times this past memoir that she had read about leaving the LDS church. So she's mentioning this throughout her book about integrity and making life choices. And she has another book called Finding Your Own North Star. So you're seeing some themes here. And all of the things that she wrote about this past memoir that when she referenced it, I was like, I mean, clearly I have to go read that. I also really love certain religious memoirs. Like, I just do. I am drawn to certain religious memoirs, and that is going to be a hiccup for some readers that this book is very critical of the LDS Church. I mean, the book is called Leaving the Saints. I mean, she is writing about her leaving the religion of her childhood. So, if that is going to be a difficult topic for you, then definitely steer away from this. It's also 20 years old, so there's going to be some things in it that feel dated that are dated. However, she is writing about a lot about her father, who was a very prominent figure in the LDS church. And sort of one of his roles, as I understand it, I've not researched this beyond her memoir, but one of his roles, as she described it, is he's almost sort of a historian of sorts and and sort of like an apologist. He's often like a scholar who's brought forth to explain certain parts of the religion to the masses or to the media or to the LDS members themselves. And so as she's explaining her father having this role in the church, she then does get into certain church histories and um, as she becomes a scholar too, and ends up like Ivy League grad school kind of thing, where she hits a point where it's hard for her to reconcile her new beliefs with the way she was raised. So you can imagine that this does get a little bit critical of a lot of religion, not just Latter-day Saints. So go into a book like this, knowing that that's going to be her point of view. Why I loved it, Was not necessarily that part, although I found that historical part to be very interesting. I learned a lot of things, even though as the Mormon religion has become, you know, kind of part of like the pop culture zeitgeisty thing, I feel like I've read a lot about them or seen the documentaries or whatever. So I appreciated the parts of that, of the book that were that. That is not why I loved it. I loved it because it's written so well. And as far as memoirs go it's a page turner. Mm-hmm. And that's not always what happens with memoir, right? Like I, a memoir is is a lot of times especially when it's when it's well written, it, it's it's a little bit of a slow burn maybe. You're like in the life with the author, mm-hmm. you know, you're really getting to know their heart and their people. This one, this particular one that I thought was going to be that, it is a little bit of that, but it is almost like a page turner because when she did choose to leave the church, the book is called Leaving the Saints again. There was a lot of drama. So, I mean, we're talking about people knocking on her door, people sort of approaching her, all this. So it felt like a, I mean, like a borderline felt like a thriller in some parts. Like it was very much a page turner. There are very difficult parts of this book. There is abuse of all kinds, sexual, emotional, religious, so much abuse here. So I'm just giving all the warnings for if this is not going to be a book for you. If you enjoy these types of stories or are just curious about these types of stories, if you don't know this part of Martha Beck, if you've followed her, she's a pretty prominent figure in a certain corner of the world, I think you will be astounded. I felt like this book was, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like I hear a lot about memoirs. It's a genre I really love. I had not heard anything about this book from 2005. But here's my t- here's my testament for how much I loved it. I bought it on Kindle because it's my preferred way to read. And I don't know if it's because it was so old that it, I don't know if it was formatted weird or if it just wasn't updated in a digital way. I don't know what was happening, but every single time that I opened this book on my Kindle, it crashed oh. the Kindle. Oh, no. So every single time I opened this book, I had to do all, like a hard reset of my Kindle. This takes I don't know mm-hmm. five to six minutes yeah. each time for all for almost any other book. Like I would be like, this is clearly not working. I need to either buy this in another format or like, I'm just not, this is not working for me. I was traveling actually. So it was even more of a pain in the rear that I'm traveling. Every time I open this book, I have to restart the Dadgum Kindle because of the book. I know it was tied to the, to the actual book. It was killing my Kindle. Don't read it on Kindle. But that's how much I was into the book was that I was like, I'm willing to go through a hard reset every time I want to spend 20 minutes reading about this fascinating person's life. That's the only, that's the biggest endorsement I guess I could give it, basically. That is saying a lot.
1: That's my new, how much did
2: I like this book? I can't think of any books that I'm willing to do this. Right. I am the most impatient.
0: I have 300 books on my Kindle. Like, I would would be like, this is absurd that I keep doing this, that I keep restarting the Kindle just to read this book. I have other things I could read here. No, no. I did it. I went through it. It took me, so it probably took me an extra, I don't know, would you add up? All those minutes it probably took me an extra two hours to Mm -hmm. read that (laughs) that's commitment I was into it I was into it it's definitely for a certain type of reader I feel like I'm always every recommendation I ever give is usually for a certain type of reader I am totally zen about the fact that people listen to me talk about books on the internet not because they necessarily want to take my suggestions because my taste does not usually align with other people but because they just like to talk about books. So I'm zen about it. This book is no exception. It is for a certain type of reader. Leaving the Saints by Martha Beck.
1: That, yes. Wild, right? I mean, I love Martha Beck. Um, And I did not know that she was a part of a thruple. That's interesting. And also this whole backstory. I mean, I like her. I like the way she puts her thoughts together. So I can see this being a really gripping memoir.
0: Meredith, I think she appeals to... People of our personality type. Like she's very sort of no nonsense. She's not the warm and fuzzy self-help guru that some people are really drawn to. Like she's not like a guide in that same way. I think she is a guide. I think she's an absolute teacher. But she's very like, let me tell you to you straight. But not not even like tough love isn't even the right word either. It's almost just like a very direct delivery. Right. She's like a nicer Judge Judy. (laughs) But she's going to shoot you straight. She's not going to be okay with a bunch of stupidity. Yes, that's exactly right. That's the, perfect, that's the perfect thing. She's like a nicer Judge yeah. Judy. That's perfect. So if yeah, so t- take all that into consideration before you pick this one up and don't buy it on Kindle. Katie, last round of books that we want people to read.
2: Okay, so the third book I brought today is also nonfiction. It's Michelle Obama's newest book, which is called The Light We Carry. So this was an interesting experience for me because I loved becoming very, very much, but this is not the same. And I loved seeing someone really famous in her own right make this pivot from like, I'm going to talk about myself, I'm going to talk about my life, I'm going to talk about how I got to where I am into this new genre of writing for her. The Light We Carry was basically born out of her book tour for Becoming. She was approached by people of all walks of life and all colors and orientations and beliefs who said something along the lines of, I saw this part of myself in your story, and I'm wondering how you got to be the way that you are. Like, how did you actually become who you became in becoming? So even though that was pure memoir, the second book is more like self-improvement part of the bookstore. While there's a personal antidote in each chapter, so you are getting a little bit more of her own story. Basically, it serves to illuminate where she learned a certain principle in her life and how she's come to apply it. This is not like heavily researched, double-blind sociological studies like Brene Brown-ish. It's about how to live your best life. It's more like a toolbox for navigating change and being really firmly sure of yourself and standing on your own two feet. There's a kitchen table chapter that reminded me of your new book, Laura, The Life Council. It's just a single chapter, but it felt like a little appetizer foretaste of what you're writing about in that Michelle's kitchen table is connections with trusted friends and the different ways she's connected with people and the ways that they are able to speak into each other's lives and how your kitchen table is not like all your best friends. It also includes your family. And sometimes you do have your business partner over. And sometimes, you know, so it's about surrounding yourselves with all different types of connections. And for me, the most pivotal chapter and the one that immediately changed my home life, which is kind of amazing. I've read plenty of self-help. Like I don't, need like an instantaneous change in my life but it's called it's about starting kind which I call the hey buddy chapter at this point I can't even remember if it was her brother or brother-in-law or uncle or some other relationship but there's a man in Michelle's life that starts every single morning by walking to the mirror and saying hey buddy to himself in the mirror and it's a way to start his day on the right foot and have kindness be the first thing that somebody says to him at the beginning of the day. So this this chapter is, is about starting with kindness in our interactions with ourselves and with others. And after reading it, I sat down with my family at the table and we instituted this new practice in our home that the first time you see someone for the day, whether it's you come upstairs and you say hi to your siblings or me or daddy just got home from work because they don't see him beforehand, you need to actually greet them and warmly so for my kids, they don't usually see dad until five or six in the evening. So they have to set down what they're doing and they greet him as opposed to being like, Meh, hey, you're here, whatever, right? Turn their actual bodies toward him. It takes a second and a half, two seconds to do this, but it has changed the dynamic in our home to make an intentional kind connection as the start of a conversation instead of, Starting with, like, well, I took out the trash because you didn't before you left. Like, that, that's not a great foundation for an interaction for the day. So it's made us kinder to each other. And its it's working well for us. And I love it. So this book is for fans of Michelle, but not necessarily for fans of Becoming. So that's to say that liking one of her books does not guarantee that you'll like the other one. If you like Michelle, you'll probably like both books. But we would shelve these very differently. You have to be looking for a new year, new you vibe rather than the inside scoop spare by Prince Harry vibe. You're not getting that here. This is closer to Brene, but again, without the science, both were a great fit for me Becoming and The Light We Carry by Michelle Obama.
0: It's so funny how little nuggets like that, like the Hey Buddy thing, can really make such like a big impression on mm-hmm. you i have a sort of a similar story i've not read this one but i have a similar story that one time when i was a kid i was like maybe a teenager and i was going home with a friend and we were like in the mom's minivan or whatever and we picked up a sibling like from another school or something and the sibling got in the car and the friend and i were doing like our normal giggly whatever teenage girl kind of thing and the mom like stopped down to say to my friend like you need to greet your sibling like they needed to greet themselves Mm -hmm. each one another like you're describing and the mom was like firm about it I mean not like mean but like firm about it like this is one of our family rules like you're saying and and then they did automatically because they knew that that was a family rule and so then they she stopped giggling with me and addressed her brother and her brother addressed her and they like had a how was your day moment you know just 30 seconds or whatever and it was I feel like It was a light bulb moment in my life. I mean, I still remember it, obviously. And, you know, I I have much older siblings. The dynamics are are quite different. But I remember sort of noticing a few things about it. Like, everyone has different family rules. So that was such a different family rule than we had in my own house. And also just, like, how meaningful that was. It's so funny that, like, little things like that can make such a big impression. So I love that you shared that. I also love that there's a life council-like kitchen table yeah in this book
2: yes you and michelle you're basically friends at this point
0: yeah just trailblazers (laughs) both of (laughs) the
1: two of you exactly (laughs) well and i do have to say katie i was not i loved becoming i wasn't super interested in the self-help you know it just, just wasn't a book that was really on my radar for me personally but i have a couple of friends who have said I wasn't really looking for what was in this book, but it has substantively changed my life. Friends who don't normally lean this direction were were saying yeah. this about this book, so I've I've been like, I the next time I'm at the bookstore, I'm probably going to be grabbing it because it seems to be really impactful.
0: It really is. Yeah, that's interesting. She's amazing, Meredith. Last round, what do you got for us? Last this is a book called
1: Daphne by Josh Mallerman. Now, Josh Mallerman is the author. Of the huge juggernaut hit, Bird Box. Did you read Bird Box, Laura? I did not. No. Okay. We definitely should. Yes. For like, let's let's get that out of the way. That <laughs> elephant out first of the room first. Like, we'll wait. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll be here. It's fine. <laughs> All right, Daphne is his new book that just came out a couple of months ago. So here's the setup. So the main players of this story are high school senior girls. By the way. Not usually my favorite part of a setup. I'm not crazy about teenagers, so bear with me here. Here it's done really well. So, these high school senior girls are members of their high school girls' basketball team. And our main focus, our main character is super basketball player Kit Lamb. And as our story starts, Kit is riding high. It's her last summer before college, it's her last summer with her team and with Dana, her best friend. But the night before their big game, one of the players tells an unsettling story about Daphne, a girl who went to their school many years ago and who died under mysterious circumstances. Some say she was murdered, others say she killed herself, and some say that Daphne is a murderer her own self. They also say that she's still out there, obsessed with revenge and will appear to kill again any time and this is key. Any time someone thinks about her. After Kit hears the story, her teammates start being murdered one by one, and Kit begins to suspect that the stories about Daphne might be real. And Kit is afraid that her own mind is conjuring the killer. Now it's a race against time as Kit searches for the truth behind the legend and learns to face her own fears before the best summer of her life becomes the last summer of her life. All right, this book was so great on so many levels. And I do, again, love Bird Box by Josh Malloran, but he also had another several books come out in between, all of which I read, none of which I liked. So I was so happy when this one came out and I was sucked in immediately. It was definitely not what I was expecting, but I'm not sure what I was expecting. It kind of has a very Stephen King vibe to it. It definitely has that same kind of gruesome horror mixed with emotional depth, which is honestly my favorite kind of horror. I love it when we have both of those things. But this one had a few elements I was definitely not expecting. I wasn't expecting to care about women's basketball because as a sport, I really, really don't but the characters here are really well drawn. It also doesn't focus a lot on the game of basketball. But this book totally floored me by having the level of depth that it has around the subject of living with an anxiety disorder, which I do and I have since I was six years old. I didn't expect it to be touched on at all and I didn't expect it to be so clearly written by someone who struggles with anxiety. As I was reading it, I was saying to myself, Josh Mallerman definitely has an anxiety disorder. As someone who lives with one, I know it when I read it. And in the acknowledgments, he does a lovely job of making that piece clear and describing why he wanted to write the book in this way. So don't fret. It also just has a straight up scary premise and some really, really frightening scenes. I will tell you right now that one of these girls ends up being killed by being beaten to death with her own Arm. This is oh. not for the faint of heart. This is horror. Hear me say that this is horror. But it is done in a really interesting way, and I was flipping the pages in my kindle like crazy. In fact, I ended up reading it in a single afternoon. I just inhaled it. So this is a great book. If you love horror, it's a great book if you just want something to read on an airplane because you want to not be worried about paying attention to anything else it will have your eyes wide and your spine tingling. And for me, it had my heart feeling understood. This is Daphne by Josh Mallerman.
0: Y'all have me like literally pulling out my Kindle and buying all of these books. (laughs) (laughs) This is why y'all are so good at what you do. It's not just all the reading. It's the way that you talk about it. It is so intriguing to me, everything that you said. And I'm like... Like, how soon can we get off this call right. so I can run to my Kindle and buy <laughs> this?
1: one, of all the books we've talked about, this one is the one that I'm most interested to see what you think because it's so propulsive and it has all those elements that, that I think you really like, but also it really has that, that element where I was like, yeah, this guy gets what I live with every day and he's really drawing it through these characters in a way that is so just understanding and then also these girls are being beaten to death with their own arms i just why am i so happy to be in this
2: world perfection it's got a
1: great legend it's got a great myth it's got a great ending
2: this makes me think of when my kids are arguing, and this happened when I was a child too, where you take someone's arm and you tell them to stop hitting themselves. And I am like, because I'm a perpetual 12-year-old boy, I'm picturing whatever killer this is, like taking her arm and being like, stop hitting yourself until she dies. I'm telling
1: you, there are some scenes in this book that I will never unsee because they are very, they are very, memorable there's a car there's a very memorable car i can't you just read the book you guys just read it it's so good
0: well on that relaxing and uplifting note
2: (laughs) wait is that what we were supposed to be recording (laughs) i think you forgot the relaxing and uplifting uh part of the episode prep wait that wasn't
0: part of my instruction no i've never Never when I talk about books. It's funny that I will have an episode about like really like feeling your spirit and like I'll we'll give these like sensitive journal prompts. And then the next episode is like beating yourself with your arm. <laughs> we contain multitudes. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Okay. Thank you all so much for being here, spending so much extra time with me talking about books. Again, you are my favorite people to talk books with, and so I'm just so honored that you came here to share your recommendations. Katie, tell me where we can find you to follow in your favorite
2: places. My favorite place is on Instagram at notes on bookmarks, but even there, I'm not super consistent with sharing, but I do love to hang around in DMs and interact and especially talk about books.
0: Meredith, where can listeners find you on the internet? I'm at meredith.reads.
1: If you love especially murders and thrillers and all things murderful, that will be your cup of tea.
0: And then where can listeners go find your show currently reading? Where can they find you online to learn more about the show? All of those things, please do tell us.
2: We're at Currently Reading Podcast on Instagram. Our website is currentlyreadingpodcast.com, and our Patreon is slash currentlyreadingpodcast. And that is our baby precious that we love. And we hope that, you know, if you find the podcast and you love it, that that is your five bucks a month to make that content keep happening because it's fantastic
0: amazing thank you guys for being here
1: thank you thank you so much this was it's always so much fun but i think today we just have reached new heights with our our collective recommendations i think
0: so too you really have you really blew it out of the water today and i couldn't be happier you know 10 things to tell you hasn't been back very long only a few months but i knew when i was coming back i knew there were certain guests that i wanted to revisit and y'all were top of my list so thank Thank you you, so much thank you for being here i always appreciate it we love it you've just listened to an episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou, and you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secretstuff. Thanks for listening.